and we welcome you to Dodger Poke Report, where today we have a very, very, very special guest. High A Great Lakes manager Austin Chubb joins Dodger Poke. So, Austin, I want to welcome you in and thank you so much. Congratulate you, first of all, on being rehired in 2022. I think that was more, more just of a formality. I think everybody knew that was coming, but we'll get to some of your experiences in the Dodgers organization. But first of all, congratulations. Thanks, Casey. Uh, really, really appreciate you having me. Um, we've talked to, we're going to talk about all the experiences you've had, and I know they have been really, really, really cool. But first of all, let's back it all the way up. You're from Florida, and obviously being from Florida, you like to fish. So have you got any fishing time in in the offseason? I want to know that first, and then, then I've got to know, what in the heck is a hoodie pillow? I mean, what is that? <laughs> so um, I have not done much fishing. Um, I normally do. But uh, I, I went down to Mayaguez, Puerto Rico um, for winter ball. So I have not, not been home much um, over the past year. Um, got to come home for, I guess, three, four weeks after the season ended in Great Lakes. And then I was off to Puerto Rico and, and got back 10 days or so ago. Um, and then the second part of that question, uh, the hoodie pillow, that was, that was actually something I I saw, I believe it was on like a Chase Utley Instagram. And so I said, man, that looks pretty comfortable and would be perfect on a long bus ride. That was actually 2019 when I was managing in Ogden and there was some brutal bus rides there. Oh. Um, so it was just like a neck pillow with a hood included. So to answer your question, yeah, that's that's what it is. Anything you have- can do on a however long your bus ride trip was to get a little bit more comfortable right exactly Exactly. (laughs) you know you're you're the the type of guy that and i've never met you in person but just kind of following you you seem like what i call a gym rat type of guy meaning you just simply can't get enough of the game of baseball you never stop learning you know you're just always wanting more of it and i know you've had a chance to to at least in the past uh be around tommy lasorda before he passed obviously and i know those were some big moments for you and i know you learned a lot from him and now, especially since you're starting your managing career. So talk about some of the moments you got to spend with him, how awesome he was, and some of the things that you took away from your interactions with the legendary Dodger. Yeah, so uh, really good question and point. Um, Tommy, so my first year coaching was 2016 in Ogden. Um, I was a hitting coach. And Tommy managed in Ogden, which I wasn't really aware of, you know, all of his history um but he made a trip he actually made i believe two or three that year just loved coming to ogden um so i have some fond memories of him just you know sitting in the locker room after you know games and telling you know some of his legendary stories um you know and then got the chance to to manage in 2019 um in ogden and and you know had had some visits from him, you know, him sitting in the manager's office and, you know, just an iconic figure that really treated, I was amazed at the way he treated minor league coaches for one, like he didn't have to do that. And, you know, we were pretty starstruck, but the way that, you know, he tells stories, he remembered my name. Um, you know, I had been around him, you know, a fair amount of times, but for him to, to, you know, have that type of memory, um, you know, especially at that age was like, it was pretty impressive. So, you know, just an iconic figure and, and to be able to be around him was, you know, very special. 
You've been in the Dodgers organization for a long time, both as a player and now obviously as a manager, and, and you've had experiences in the international leagues through the Dodgers and then through Ogden, and we'll get to, to you know, Great Lakes, obviously, this last year in 2019. I know in 2020 you were supposed to, to move up to Rancho, which at that time was, was low A, uh, and, but there, obviously the, the season got canceled. And then in 2021, this last season, you were in high A Great Lakes. So you've been a Dodger for a long time. The Dodgers win the, the world championship in 2020. You did not get to manage that year because you were supposed to be in Rancho and it got canceled. So take us through what 2020 was like for you when the Dodgers won the, the World Series. And when you got to see that World Series ring, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, so, you know, obviously 2020, um, you know, was a tough year for for a lot of people. Um, our season got canceled, obviously, on the minor league side. Um, so it ended up being pretty cool because we were able to follow the major league team and without having baseball in our lives, um, you know, obviously a strange year, but, you know, the shortened season, um, you know, I felt like made each night, each game, you know, that much more important. So being able to follow it, um, you know, very closely, you know, when we're during a minor league season, you know, you're playing most of the time that, you know, the Dodgers are playing. So you, you know, you get back in after a game, you know, especially in, in Great Lakes on the East Coast, um, you know, you might have a chance to watch some innings, but depending on where you're at, you don't actually get to watch the big league club a lot. So getting to follow that um, closely, you know, and then after, you know, almost getting a ring in 17 and 18, um, and then finally, you know, the Dodgers finishing it off was, was special. And then, you know, that, that ring, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty insane when, when I saw it in person. Um, but I think more than anything, just, you know, for, for the staff and really that core group of players that, you know, came up through the minor leagues, um, obviously, you know, on the minor league side, we, we weren't there, but I think we all, you know, felt that was a pretty special accomplishment because of the homegrown talent in LA. No doubt about it. And we'll get to the homegrown talent, what I call the Dodgers culture that you have helped build. And now you're helped kind of, well, not kind of, but you're, you're helping to nurture into the current Dodger round of prospects. But you mentioned working closely with, with you know, not getting to see necessarily the games, but you work closely with the big club. What is the communication like with them? Do they call you on a daily basis or do they call and ask you about certain prospects? How does that communication line work? So more, more so just communication with, you know, Will Rhymes, um, the farm director who's in direct communication with, with guys in, you know, in LA and, and Andrew Freeman, Brandon Gomes and company. So more so communicating with him um, through them. But, you know, I, I just feel like the Dodgers um, organization as a whole is just very tight knit. I'm biased, um, but, you know, getting to talk to, to people in other organizations, I think it just, it makes me realize how special the Dodgers are, um, whether that's, you know, the player development side to the big league side, to the front office, to scouting, all of it. Um, you know, we have scouts, you know, Josh Burns coming in town, sitting in the office with me and, you know, just talking about players and, and being able to, to, you know, just talk about prospects and, and these guys hopefully get into LA one day. You mentioned the word the tight knit. That's how you called it. It just seems like every which way along the way, I talk to players who have been traded that have come into the organization, players that 
that have been in the organization since I've become a professional, now talking to a high Great Lakes manager. Just seems like everybody's on the same page in this organization as far as what they want this culture to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's the recipe for success. It's not easy to do, but, um, you know, 2015 was, was my first year with the organization. It's kind of crazy thinking about mm-hmm. it's a long time. Um, makes me feel a little bit older. Um, but that was the year, you know, you know Gabe, Gabe Kapler was the yeah. farm director year and that kind of kick-started what's been a pretty unbelievable ride for the Dodgers and what the entire organization, what they've been able to accomplish over that time span. Of course, I, I cover, you know, all the Dodgers teams now going all the way down to even some of the rookie teams. But I'm in the Oklahoma area, and, and I've watched the Oklahoma City Dodgers ever since they came to Oklahoma in 2015. And so I actually got to see uh, one of the games that you played in Oklahoma City. Well, it wasn't in <laughs> Oklahoma City. It was in Salt Lake, and, and, and you know, I kind of giggled because you know who the pitcher was that night in Salt Lake? It was Andrew Heaney. It was, yeah. It was, yeah, and, I, and you went two for four, dude, so you've got big-time bragging rights, don't you? Of, of course, I remember that. And uh, actually, like, I was watching MLB Network, and it popped up that we had signed him, and I was like, yeah, my bad. You know, two knocks off that guy. So, yeah, that was uh, – yeah, I wasn't up in Oklahoma City long, but that was a, a really cool experience. Yeah, Yazamani, uh, Yazamani Grandal was there. He was a designated hitter that night, I believe. Of course, Corey Seager was a shortstop. So that was a star-studded team. But that that was Se- a – Seager went five for five in that game with yeah. two homers. So I, thought, awesome. I, I yeah. thought I might get a little love, and, and uh, I, I didn't because Seager obviously stole the spotlight. And then he, he was in the big leagues a, a few weeks later, so that was cool. Now that 2015 season, I don't know if you know Man. this either, but uh, the, Oklahoma City played a 19-inning game that summer, and Corey Seager played every inning, and that was when I really fell in love with his game just simply from the fact that just watching his mannerisms, meant that the dude was a stud. It looked like he was enjoying the whole time. So, you know, it's neat that you mentioned him, and, and that, that was a cool experience for me to get to watch him. But. Anyways, yeah, you know, uh, let's back up just a little bit as far as your career. Let's go back to your college days, if you don't mind, at at uh, Florida Southern. You played for the legendary coach Pete Myers there, who, you know, that program is a Division II powerhouse. They've won nine national titles. They've been runners-up four different times. 30 different uh, draft picks were, were produced underneath the guidance of Pete Myers. He was your head coach and the assistant athletic director all at the same time. So do you mind talking about your college days there at Florida Southern? Yeah. So I was um, at Florida Southern for two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Manatee community college before that, Um, you know, so played at the the junior college level in Florida and then division two. And, you know, those two years were obviously special and Florida Southern has a rich, you know, tradition, um, history, a lot of major league players and, you know, I'm, I'm biased towards sure. uh, maybe a smaller program, you know, being in Florida with the big division one schools, but man, I play with some really good players at the junior college level. And then, you know, that's a division two school, but could easily compete with division one, you know, schools every year um, and, and playing for, for Pete, you know, his athletic director and, um, and the coach, we went through a coaching change my, my junior year, my first year there um, after transferring from Manatee. And Pete, you know, was, was the AD and then he, he took over, um, and just, uh, just a baseball guy, just a, mm. an awesome guy. We, 
we don't keep in touch a whole lot, um, but, you know, a couple times a year and, and just a great guy. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you know, it's, it's baseball such a great thing, any sport really, but you learn so much along the way from different people. And, and a guy like you, a guy like me, or whoever you kind of take from this guy and take from that guy to mold into what you eventually want to be. And, and, I, and I, I say that to segue into your professional managing career. And, and you know, kind of like players, you know, you start in, in rookie ball and you work yourself to low A and then you work to high A. You know, you've kind of done the same thing as not kind of. You've done the same thing as a manager. You have just about every experience that any player in minor leagues w- might, you know, might want to lean on as far as, hey, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? You, you've coached two summers or two leagues or two years in the Dominican League. You you coached this past winter, am I correct, in the Puerto Rican League? Would that be correct? Yes. 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 And then so you've coached, you've coached in the Rookie League at Ogden. You were going to coach in low A Rancho. Now you've coached in high A Great Lakes. So basically, if you're a guy standing on, on a minor league field and Austin Chubb is your manager, he's got every bit of advice that you could possibly need. Speaking from experience perspective, does that help you? Yeah, I mean, I, I when you bring that up, that's uh, kind of neat. But I mean, I've definitely had, you know, different experiences um, as a coach, but then, you know, also as a player, mm-hmm. you know, my Stay in AAA wasn't long, um, but having experience at each level, you know, obviously helps. I don't, I don't think playing or, you know, the playing side necessarily defines you as a coach. Coaches or players, you know, they want to get better. That's the bottom line. But I think having different experiences um, and being able to relate firsthand with with players and something they they might have gone through um, is obviously very important. Yeah, and. And not only, you know, you talked about the actual on-the-field experience, but you also had the experience as a player of going through free agency, changing organizations. And I know, especially for, for guys that, that play for you that 20, 21, 22, 22 23 years old, yeah. and you're experiencing these things for the first time, that's probably a lot of experience that you can get with them as far as how to handle those situations, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, you know, those experiences are great. And and, uh, you know, being a minor league player is is uh, obviously awesome, but it's not always easy. Um, so I think experience is king when it comes to that, whether I went through it personally or being able to, you know, see how different players go through, you know, each level and, and kind of the day-to-day at, at a certain area or certain place. You're at that very vulnerable stage for all the, pros- for all the prospects, meaning that, you know, they're, they're – they're still pretty young and they're very talented and, and they're at one of the most vulnerable stages of their career as far as, as being needing to be nurtured into becoming a professional. You're teaching them how to be a professional. And so how do you take that great challenge as far as taking a young guy and making sure that they get mentored properly? Yeah, that's a good point, especially, you know, at the high A level, I feel like that's a, a unique level for the reasons you just brought up, but kind of a level where you might have a younger type prospect, um, you know, who is excited to be there. And then you might have a guy who could kind of be, you know, on the fence, uh, maybe a little older and it's either make or break. They take the next step to get to double a, you know, and they could see their career take off or maybe their career ends. So that was obviously, you know, last year and, and going through that and seeing that was, uh, you know, interesting. And, and I feel like 
the high level is, uh, like you said, it's a crucial level for development. Um, but I, I think more than anything, like my style is just to kind of let guys play and, and, you know, uh, teaching them. Um, but really at that level, just letting them go out and play and make mistakes and, you know, helping them, you know, where, where I see fit and the rest of our staff sees fit. Yeah. And one of the great things about being in the game of baseball is that, you, you know, you're around these guys or these people, everybody in the organization every day, more so than you are your family many times. So you develop these really airtight relationships. And so when guys do go on and they get to make it to double A, then triple A, and then eventually into the major leagues, that has to be a very gratifying moment for you and, and gratifying situations for a guy like you that, that you know that you really helped them at one of the most crucial times of their career. That has to be exciting for you. Yeah. I mean, obviously baseball um, is a, a fun thing to be a part of. We're competitive. We want to win, but at the end of the day, you know, it'll probably sound cliche, but the relationships are, are what it's all about. And like a guy that comes to mind is that I've been fortunate enough to manage is like, a guy like Andy Pajes yeah. Um, yeah. had him in the Dominican his first year when he was 17, um, you know, in the DSL. And then, you know, he uh, actually 2018, sorry, um, moved up to Ogden, had him in rookie ball and then got to manage him the entire year. So like he's only had a few managers in pro ball. Um, so I've been lucky enough to, to be able to, you know, watch him grow and, and uh, develop. So like those, those are, you know, pretty cool. I always talk about, especially whenever you're in a draft class with, with other guys, the brotherhood that you create because of the situations like we just mentioned, being around each other all the time. But it really is an interesting dynamic because a lot of times it's not that you're competing against your teammates, but you do have the same goals. And a lot of times, you know, those goals are, are, are one guy gets to do it and the other guy doesn't as far as getting to advance or do this or that. So you're trying to be teammates. You're trying to create a culture that is team first, but then it's very individualistic in the sense that each guy's trying to to move up themselves to reach their own goals. How do you manage that as a minor league manager? Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good question and a good point. It's not always easy, um, you know. Obviously, like from a manager standpoint or as a staff, we try to to sell to the guys that being an unselfish type player will bring out the best in them, um, which I truly believe. But when it comes down to it, that's what makes the minor league so, you know, so unique is that like guys are to some degree playing, you know, for they're playing for themselves. They're playing for their families. They want to be able to make money. Um, you know, it is a business. So that's obviously a, a hard thing, but I think, you know, more than anything, um, you know, we want to see those guys reach the big leagues with the Dodgers. But I think one thing that you can sell to players is that every time you step on the field, it's an audition for somebody. There's always scouts sure. in the stands. So, you know, there's 30 other teams. And, and while, you know, I want guys to, you know, reach the big leagues in L.A. and help us win another World Series – that's just not, it's not, a, you know, it's not the case. Um, so I think you're going to see, you know, a, a guy like maybe Donovan Casey, um, Caber Ruiz, yeah. you know, the guys got opportunities elsewhere. So I think more than anything, like anytime you step on the field, it's an audition, um, you know, and you're trying to advance, whether it's, 
you know, to L.A. or with somebody else. I have talked to players who have played underneath you. You are definitely what is considered a player's coach. What does that mean to you? What, what is a player's coach? How do you become well, a player's I, coach? I, li- I like hearing that. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to, you know, have good mentors and coaches growing up. Um, one comes to mind is uh, – that comes to mind is Bill Hasselman. He was mm-hmm. my manager in, in 2015 and has kind of been a mentor to me. Um, I felt – feel like I, I, you know, took a lot of things from his style and that's just to, to, you know, guys are professionals, let them play. Um, Obviously when they need a kick in the butt, I'm going to give it to them. But I think more than anything, trying to, to never forget that baseball is really hard Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, players are going to respect that. Um, They're going to make mistakes. So I think, you know, finding the right moment to talk to guys um, about certain things and, and teach them and develop them, you know, is obviously important, but players for the most part know, um, you know, when they screw up or when they do good or, or whatever it may be. So that's kind of my style is just to let guys do their thing. Um, I just expect them to play hard and play to win. So if they do those things, I feel like I'm pretty easygoing. So you're a guy, you're, you know, you're a manager, you're competitive, obviously. That's the first thing you have to be if you're going to be successful at any sport is ultra competitive. And, and here you're having this good year, you know, and, and Great Lakes puts off a great environment. It's a great place to play baseball. And, and then you're rocking along and, and you're in this, you know, you're trying to win your, your division. And then all of a sudden come about late July, you lose about six of your best players every single year. So how do you manage that balance between – trying to win the division, but then you lose all your best players right at the end of the year. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> and obviously a tough one. Um, you know, you know, it's expected and it's going to happen. Um, I think from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, we take pride in the fact that, you know, we helped players get to the next level because yeah. ultimately that is the number one job um, for us. But you know, I would be lying if I said we didn't want to win. Um, sure. You know, the same thing happened in 2019 in Ogden. You know, lost Brandon Lewis and a and a couple arms uh, before the playoffs there. But I think you know, from from our standpoint, like we have, I know there's good players in low A, and there's guys who are going to come step right in. So from a culture standpoint, like it's just next man up. That sounds cliche, but. That really is how it is, and and I think we have the best scouts in the game, and we have good talent from you know the DSL all the way up to the big leagues. So there really isn't an excuse. I think, you know, I I feel fortunate to to be managing in an organization like this one because, you know, you're I like to say you're only as good as the players on the field um, as a manager, and we have really good players. So <laughs> I probably reap the benefits you know, of that to some degree. Um, but I guess I haven't screwed them up either at the same time. <laughs> you came from, you came from Florida and, and you're, you're managing in Midland, Michigan, which is a great place to play kind of cold in the spring though, isn't it? Did you have to get used to that a little bit? So last year, um, the minor league season got pushed back a month. Oh, so yeah, we yeah. probably benefited from that just as much as, as anybody. But I will tell you, May was cold. I'm soft when it comes to cold weather. It's been in the oh, it's been in the 40s here in Florida. I got you know, it was 85, 90 degrees in in 
excuse me, in Puerto Rico and got back to Florida and it's, you know, 40 degrees. I'm like, what's going on? Um, so I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I think there's snow covering the field today in Midland was talking to some of the front office yesterday. So I don't know what it's going to be like. We'll probably hit in the cage a lot. Um, before the game so we'll we'll see but you know it's our job but we'll, we'll find a way to get it done you know the dodgers i'm sure buy you thousands of dollars worth of gear every year just make sure one of those items is a really really good coat and a pair of gloves right no no doubt i i did not have gloves last oh, year no. and i was i was just telling my girlfriend the other day i've, I've got to order some gloves to the clubhouse in, in midland this is the second time in your Dodgers career that you're going to get to go back to back at the same location. You got to go two years in a row in the Dominican League. Now this is your second year in Midland, Michigan with the Great Lakes Loons, the high A affiliate of the Dodgers. And so I know you're big on community. You're big on that. You know, you know, you like to reach out in the community, get them involved with your club. So what types of things do you think uh, you're going to do in 2022 to connect the Great Lakes Loon, uh, the Great Lake Loons to the community of Midland? So that's something that I'm really looking forward to this year. Um, last year with COVID restrictions, it was very mm -hmm. uh, minuscule. Um, so we did not get to do much, you know, community type stuff because of that. So that was one of the things, um, you know, that I was, was thinking about and, and, you know, obviously the like the loons front office is fantastic first class. Um, they'll have some things set up for us, you know, to get out and, and, you know, getting into the community. Um, John Shoemaker was there as a mentor to me and was very involved there. Um, but the loons are first class and, and we'll be, you know, obviously willing and, and, uh, you know, look forward to getting out in the community. John Shoemaker, you mentioned his name. He is the low A Rancho Cucamonga manager. Of course, you are the high A Great Lakes manager. And then, and then at double A you have Henny, which Scott Hennessy, he, of course, he, he, he coached at Cali County, which is in, in Arc City, Kansas, which is very close to me, and, and actually recruited several of my friends that I played baseball with. So he is a legend around this area. Then you have Travis Barbary, who is first-class individual, then obviously Dave Roberts. So kind of like we were talking about with the players, although it's an individual deal, you still love all your teammates, and it's very much so a, a teammate-oriented organization. So you got to love the fact that you're managing around all these other great people in the organization, right? Yeah, I mean, just amazing guys. Um, during spring training, we'll, you know, have some exclusive type meetings just for managers. Um, we're obviously all pretty close. So, you know, just sitting, talking baseball with those guys, hearing stories, um, you know, and, and things they've done in the past and trying to learn from each other is, is uh, it's pretty special. As a manager, it cannot be done without all the people that help as far as on the peripheral, then all the assistants, the bench coaches, the hitting coaches, the pitching coaches, take this time to thank everybody that helps you become the great manager that you are. Yeah, no doubt. Um, like I was saying, you know, players, staff, um, I think, you know, getting, getting the chance to, to move up a little bit and be around a front office um, that's a little bigger. Uh, you know, I did, you know, the Dominican where we had, over a hundred players at one point, um, you know, there's maintenance staff, there's a kitchen there. There's so many different people, um, you know, behind the scenes doing things. Like I'm just very grateful 
um, you know, and feel blessed and fortunate to, to be in the position that I'm in. You have a great message for kids. You didn't go to the, of course, you went to a powerhouse university to play college baseball, but it wasn't a division one university, you know, and then, and then you, you, you worked your way up as a player all the way to AAA baseball. You earned everything you got as a manager. You've gone step by step by step, and you could not have done it in more of a humble way. So, so if you need an example of how, you know, you have to pay your dues and, and, and there's no magic wand to this, Austin Chubb is that guy to use as an example. So what is your message for young kids that are out there that want to become a professional baseball someday, how, baseball player someday? How do they do it? Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit it right there on the nose. Um, you know, I think it's a different uh you know amateur game now with all the you know showcase mm -hmm. uh travel teams um and that's a completely different world it started to get you know bigger when i was in high school i think when i was 15 or 16 years old um but i truly believe and, and once again i'll say it sounds cliche but mm -hmm. i believe that if you want to do it and you work hard you're a good teammate um you know, and you get the chance to, to show what you can do and, and put up numbers and, uh, you know, showcase yourself. Uh, I believe that, it, you know, it doesn't matter what school you're at. Um, doesn't matter how many showcases you go to, but I believe that with the amount of scouts and being able to see it firsthand, I believe that they'll find you. So I think more than anything, it's, instead of worrying about where you're at, just focus on getting better every day. And I think, you know, that's, that would be my message um, is to just continue to work hard. And I really do believe that good things happen to good people. Um, doesn't always happen that way, but I think people who work hard um, don't complain. I think, you know, good things happen to them. Awesome message from an awesome person, from an awesome baseball guy an awesome manager. I can tell you that from personal experience. I know people who have played for him, and he is no doubt a player's coach. He is absolutely the perfect guy for the situation he's in. He is going to ascend in this game. We're talking about Austin Chubb, as you see on your screen. And there is no doubt in my mind that you will be a very successful major league manager someday just with the way that you approach this game, the way that you're putting the time in, the way that you're paying your dues. That is your destination, and I am very excited to – watch you ascend through the ranks and, and see how this thing goes for you. But I have one more question, and this is kind of a goofy personal question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. You ever get called Nick Chubb? You know, I haven't. <laughs> oh, which, really? <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like, I had not seen too many other Chubbs outside my immediate family, and then we saw a Nick Chubb and a, I think a Bradley Chubb, maybe yeah. the Broncos. Um, so I, I don't know, but that's, those two are obviously amazing athletes. So it's pretty cool. I, I think I need to find a, a Chubb Jersey. Um, maybe I'll that in the locker room. Well, well, no offense because you are a big deal being the manager of the high A Great Lakes loons. But when I told people I was talking to Austin Chubb, they're like, you mean they're running back for, I can't remember what Tessa. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, I just thought I, I wanted to ask you that question and, See how that went. You're a great sport with that. So thanks for answering that question. And thank you so much, Austin Chubb, for joining Dodger Poke Report. You have a huge fan. You're an awesome dude. You're an awesome manager, as I said. And, and I'm greatly looking forward to 
watching your career and and getting to see some of the players and talk to them as we go along the way uh, that you've gotten to nurture and, and manage and coach and help along the way. Thanks, Casey. I appreciate you having me on and, and taking the time.